Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat Podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat Podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Sarah Wegman, and I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Jenny Gilbert, to the Her Next Play Power Chat Podcast. Jenny is the Associate Athletic Director and Senior Women Administrator at Miami University. During her time as a student athlete at Miami, she played Division I volleyball and graduated with a degree in psychology. Jenny then went on to get her MS in Sports Administration and Physical Education from Eastern Kentucky University. For many years, Jenny was a head volleyball coach at Tennessee Technological University, and she currently works in the Miami University Athletic Department. There, as an associate athletic director, Jenny directly oversees 12 of Miami's 18 NCAA sports and is responsible for competitive and academic success. Jenny, thank you for being on the podcast today. All right. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Sarah Wegman, and I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Jenny Gilbert, to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. Jenny, thank you for being on the podcast today. Excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So you are a Division I volleyball player. Can you tell me about the role sports has played in your life? Uh, you know, I think if you're an athlete, sports is everything. Um, you're not only excited about competing against others, you're excited about competing against yourself. Can I get a little bit better today? Can I do this a little bit stronger? Um, and it just becomes a part of your being. Um, so for me, sports was a, a confidence builder, a self-esteem builder. Um, it's what I loved to do. And that ended up carrying over into other areas that I, you know, sports taught me that lesson that this right now is an awkward skill, but if I practice it a little bit more, I could be really good at this. Um, and so sports has absolutely made me who I am today. I am absolutely convinced of that. So I'm interested, because um, I was reading a little bit about your background, you're currently the Associate Athletic Director in SWA at Miami University, um, but you did have a stint in coaching. And as, as I was looking into your background, it sounded like um, that was part of your graduate school experience. You didn't necessarily think, oh, I was an athlete and I want to go into coaching. So can you tell us a little bit about um, how you enjoyed coaching and how that would, ended up being kind of a surprising uh, part of your career? Absolutely. So, um, you know, senior year, I, I was graduating. I was going to be the, a sports psychologist to the celebrity athletes. That was going to be my goal. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Um, and, <laughs> at the time, there was this really amazing young athlete named Michael Jordan, and I was going to be the one I've that was just going to take it to the next <laughs> level. Yeah, that was kind of my goal. Um, I had no interest in coaching, had no interest in administration. Um, but I needed a way to get to my master's degree in sports in psychology and sports psychology specifically. Um, I had no way to pay for that, so I took a job as an assistant coach. And because I was a member of staff, tuition is free, and so I started taking some classes. Um, but I found out within the first three weeks of this job as an assistant coach that I absolutely loved it. Um, I thrived on my athletes' improvement. I got so excited when. 
they had their own light bulb moments when things clicked and you could just see it in their faces that now they understood what we've been talking about. Um, and so as soon as that started to happen, I, I then just totally changed career plans and totally changed some of that focus, just kind of took a pivot. So instead of focusing all on sports psychology, I still loved that and I knew I could still use that in my coaching career. But now I needed um, a little more education about sport administration, about physical education, those pieces, um, and got my master's degree in those focus areas, um, sport administration, physical education, um, and then use the sport psych um, for motivation and sport performance improvement for those student athletes. And then spent 16 years um, as a coach, yeah, absolutely loving it every day, day in, day out, um, thrived with it until my daughter was born. And then uh, the first two years, that's really easy. She's, you just throw her in the car seat, you throw her on the bus, like another piece of luggage. It was really right. easy. <laughs> but when she got to be a little bit older and I'm traveling all that time, it just got to be too much. So I retired from coaching and I went into the business world um, as probably the most miserable four or five years of my life. I hated the business world. It wasn't like the sports world where people work together as a team and uh, people cheered each other on. There's a camaraderie towards a shared goal that I just didn't have in the business world. Um, and luckily Miami University was looking for a former coach to represent the coaching mindset at the table of the senior leadership. And that happened 13 years ago, so. Okay. So I know that there are not nearly enough women in um, college athlete administration. So I'm interested in helping um, young women who might be interested in going to that as a career field know more about what that career is like. So can you share a little bit about what it's like to work in um, college athletics and kind of what a typical day is like for you and some of the projects that you work on? Well, I can tell you what my focus is on, but that's not going to be everybody's um, view, right? It's just right. going to be my view of what my role is. Um, so where I sit as um, Associate Athletic Director for the Student Athlete Experience, I kind of touch everything for our student athletes that's not related to the academic classroom or their athletic classroom. So we're talking about things like community service, um, leadership development, um, career mentoring, um, mental health um, task force, which we started about four or five years ago. Um, things that absolutely make a difference to them and their student athlete experience, but isn't necessarily X's and O's or A's and B's, um, so to speak. Um, so from, from that standpoint, um, you, you asked, you know, there's not enough women. There's a place for women in every part of athletics, whether if you have a love for numbers, and accounting, there are plenty of athletic directors who are leading programs because of their ability to work those numbers in the business acumen. Um, if you have a, a love for rules, um, legislation, NCAA compliance is a perfect fit. Um, so there's so many different places, marketing and promotions. Um, if you like being behind the scenes and setting things up, event planning, um, marketing and promotions, all of those pieces are available uh, for women. And there is no such thing as a typical day. Um, you're talking about hundreds of student athletes who all come from hundreds of different backgrounds and all different situations, not to mention hundreds of people on your staff and different jobs every day. Um, 
I, I can tell you that typical is not eight to five and it's not Monday through Friday. Um, <laughs> we, work, we work really long hours in college athletics because it, it's who we are and it's what we do. So we have to be open in our office eight to five because that's how business works. And we are a business in, a, in essence, but we also have games at night, sometimes starting at seven o'clock at night on a Monday night. And we have, track meets all day Saturday. We have double header baseball and softball games on Saturdays and Sundays. So it's a lot of work. Um, right. But if you look at it like I do, you'd be going to these games because it's fun to watch anyway. Go and get paid for it. I was going to ask um, if you enjoy going to the games because I know for me as an athlete, I mean, I love going to my daughter's games. I We have season tickets to the University of Minnesota volleyball team. I love watching college sports. It's It's so much fun to be to be a fan too. Do you have a favorite team at Miami that you like to cheer on? Any and all of the Red Hawks and I'd get in trouble if I called out one. So <laughs> I understand. But I will tell you that when you spend time going to practices, when you're there at games, um, when you know the individual student athletes um, by name, um, it makes a difference because not only do the athletes know you care, but you know enough how to act and show you care. So I know what's important to them and I'm invested in their development and in their sport so that I can make a difference for their experience and for the coach's experience too, right? I mean, that makes a difference for that coach um, so that they can do a better job with their job. Right, well, building on that, I know that you have been really involved in creating the career mentoring program within the athletic department at Miami. Could you tell us more about that program, how it started, why it felt like a good idea and how it's benefited the student athletes at Miami? Sure. The biggest piece is that um, we were hearing back from the student athletes themselves that they don't have time for any kind of internships and all of their other classmates are getting jobs because they had time over the summer to devote eight weeks um, to an internship and our student athletes are training all summer. They can't take off a semester to go do some kind of an internship. So we started building small. Um, we had companies who were very interested in our student athletes enough um, to offer what they called externships where they'd come to campus for a couple of days and actually show them what these job markets look like, what these career fields looked like. Um, and so now we have interested and engaged employers with first looks at our amazing student athletes. And that's what started the click. Um, and from there, we just morphed and added on each year. So the biggest challenge right now, besides the internship piece, is that we had to find, how can we find non-traditional internship experiences, professional development that they could put on their resume that is gonna make a difference. Right. So we came up with, um, like I said, the externships, we're doing what they call gigs, um, two or three week projects. It doesn't take much um, and they can squeeze it in during winter break. Um, we did what we called step into the arena where we invited former student athletes to come back and talk about their careers and how being an athlete made an impact on their career. Um, you know, we're um, talking about sport career specific um, career forums. We bring in minor league um, owners to come in and do their recruiting uh, from our student athletes because they understand the culture of that sport career. Um, we also have Alumni Connect. Uh, it's Miami specific, but a number of institutions have started doing this too, where 
we just threw out a huge net to all of our student athletes that graduated in the past 50 years and said, do you have an interest in helping our current student athletes find their place after their college experience? And we had about 400 former student athletes reach back. That's fantastic. I mean, one of the things that we find here at Her Next Play is those former college athletes have gone through that transition period and seen what worked and sometimes struggled through that. And they are, I mean, really enthusiastic about trying to help those current college student athletes because um, they need mentoring and they need to see how you can succeed through that. Right. And it's, it's tough because for most of our student athletes, they're not going to pursue a life in professional athletics for a career. And yet when they graduate, that experience is over. And, and the person that they have been for probably 15 years is now no longer. And that's a really difficult transition. So helping them to um, see who they can be and, and how they can still utilize those skills that made them such a great athlete in their career field, which will make them an outstanding citizen wherever they land. Um, because they don't understand that those skill sets that they have are not normal. <laughs> the general student population doesn't have those skill sets. So to help, help them understand how to articulate those skills on a resume and in a job interview, um, and then use them to be successful at the next step. Yeah, I think that's so valuable when we're working with a lot of former college athletes. Um, they, you know, have heard over and over like, oh, employers want to hire athletes and, and they do. I think many employers do because the skills align so well. The skills that employers are looking for are a lot of the same skills that you develop through athletics. But we always say, but you can't just put that you're an athlete on the resume. Like you have to learn how to translate and talk about those experiences and give examples in an interview. And so that work that you're doing is so important because because otherwise you have all those that unrealized potential and skills they developed and if they can't kind of package and and market them in a way that's compelling for employers um, it can be a real challenge because you're right that identity is their athletic identity is such a big part of who they are so we just find to lose your team and your coach and all the structure of college athletics and not have that support that transition can be really hard so I think it's fantastic what you're doing I'd also say I mean, so brilliant with the externships and the gigs because we know that internships are becoming so increasingly important in your success in finding a job after college. And so what we are always telling athletes is that it doesn't have to be an eight-week internship. And people aren't going to ask, like, how many hours did you do it? But if you can do a project and build some experience, then you have something to talk about. You have, um, a, you know, a way to demonstrate your skills. And so I think that that is fantastic. Well, especially now, right? COVID-19, you're stuck at home anyway. So I know in the next, you know, two years, all these employers are going to ask our current student athletes, what did you do during COVID-19 to make yourself a better person, to make yourself more marketable, to set yourself up for a career? Um, and so one of the things that we did with Miami, it started with our president, President Greg Crawford, um, pitched to the Mid-American Conference Let's do a transformative leadership program. Give them a certificate program where they invest two or three hours in a five day, every day for five days, different topics, and they can earn a certificate about leadership. Um, and we're doing that. It's literally happening this week um, virtually with every student athlete in the Mid-American Conference that has an interest in it. And we have all the different faculty advisors from the different schools within our conference that are teaching these modules. 
but it's just one more way to think outside the box. How else can we get the information and the professional development to make an impact? Right. That's brilliant. And I think one of the silver linings of the last three months is how many opportunities they are to, there are to do professional development virtually. So mm -hmm. I know uh, my daughter, actually, there's this sports biz uh, camp for high school students that's going on this week. And so we have over 150 professionals from all the different pro sports leagues and sports philanthropy um, all over the U.S. And I think they have 760 high school students that are participating Fantastic. on this virtual three-day camp. Um, my daughter's a freshman, so it's really going to be like a stretch for her into the professional world. And I'm like, great. I mean, you know, it's, it's free. It's it's online it's a couple hours in the afternoon like what a great opportunity to learn and just like the leadership um, Academy that you guys are doing it's pretty yeah. it's pretty interesting how how people have evolved and and taken advantage of new opportunities so mm -hmm. well the fact that you said too that this is for women right and we're talking about the next play for the women um, as we're going through all this career mentoring one of the biggest pieces we're finding is that our male student athletes have so much confidence, they apply for everything. Even if they only met one of the five required qualifications for a position, they apply. Our women need to be encouraged to apply. Even if they met all five requirements and had six more <laughs> besides, they right. need that encouragement. And so those are some of the conversations we're having with our female athletes about, you can't be shy. Right. It's nice to be humble. And it's a wonderful thing to be humble, but you also have to be very confident about what you already know how to do enough to take a step that might be scary, um, but you're ready for it. You, you've earned the right to apply for this and pursue this because you are all that. Um, but taking that extra step with the women um, has made a big difference too. Right. That's fantastic. That's something that we see as well. I think the other thing that we see is sometimes it feels like um, male athletes have maybe a little bit more of that um, developed network um, in terms mm -hmm. of helping into the next uh, business or um, job role. I think because, well, you know, there are more men at the top leadership levels in business and other industries, but also I just think that there's something about maybe the visibility of male athletes. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it does seem like they have a little bit more of that pipeline because sometimes if you don't have the internships, you really do need some of those connections and that network to help you get that first opportunity. Right. So what we're trying to do at Her Next Play is really create opportunities to build those connections um, and then also just create more visibility around women that do have that sports background because it's sometimes hard to know, okay, who is the top leader like here at, um, in Minneapolis, we would say like at Target, who was a former college athlete. And it's like, women don't always still embrace that part of their identity or lead with it, or be, are they're not always as vocal about that. And so um, we're really trying to create, create those connections at her next play too. Have you, um, I guess, it, it's, a, it's not a normal world <laughs> anymore, but what do you see as some of those biggest challenges as you're doing your work with leadership and mentoring programs? You talked about internships as being a challenge. What else um, do you see as you see your student athletes kind of graduate and go on to their careers as um, some of the biggest challenges that they face? Yeah, I think the biggest challenges as they take that next step, we kind of already touched on it. It's that whole identity. Right. Um, and it's hitting even closer to home now with COVID-19 and having all of those opportunities just literally taken up out of their hands. 
Right. Um, it's a really scary thing. Um, they had, they came in as freshmen this past year and they had the next four years all lined up and figured out. And then we just threw a whole wrench into the middle of it. And so now they're trying to decide what's the NCAA going to let me do? Can I afford to stay another year right. because they're giving me back a year of eligibility? Can I afford to stay in school that long if I'm not a scholarship athlete? And, and we don't have any answers yet. As administrators and colleges, we still don't have any answers. You know, right now we're planning on being there in the fall and playing sports, but two hours from now, we could hear back from a governor or a conference office that shuts everything down. Right. Um, so, so now we're talking all the mental health issues. Now we're talking about all those support networks um, that need to be in place. And I know we have worked very hard the last four, probably five years in our athletic department to eliminate that stigma of asking for help. Um, that even right now, dealing with um, the perfectionist type attitude that a lot of our athletes have that makes them such successful athletes right. actually hurts them as human beings and as people. And it's really difficult to walk that tightrope of perfectionist anxiety, um, high performance and excitement. Um, it, it's hard sometimes. And so we've worked really hard to provide mental health resources from a sports performance sports psychologist, as well as a clinical sports psychologist to help with everything from eating disorders, depression, anxiety, um, any of those pieces, um, even performance in terms of just how to breathe, to relax yourself and mindfulness. Right. Um, and we did a lot of those things just to help with the sport performance. And we're finding now that we're actually utilizing them more just to help them learn coping mechanisms for life. Um, cause it's not an, an easy place to be right now. Cause not only did we take away their sports, we took away their school. Um, right. we, we threw a whole lot at them to deal with. Right. Well, it's interesting, even before COVID, when we would go and talk to athletic uh, directors and coaches about career development for female athletes, mental health would continually come up um, as just such a critical issue. And then I think to mm -hmm. your point, I mean, we talk with athletes who had a job lined up, who had, you know, were going into their senior softball season, and then to have that just stop on a dime to have then like their job offer rescinded to then have to move home to then, you know, have graduated without feeling that closure of, of what it felt like everything that they were working for in their athletic career. It's just really devastating. And then at a time when, you know, none of us really can get the social support that we need when we're trying to isolate. And then I would also say, I mean, kind of layering on top of that, for athletes, I think for a lot of us, that exercise, that kind of athletic, um, pursuing our athletic endeavors is a huge part of like how we stay sane and like regulate our mental health. So then to have that That's to right. too, it's just That's like, right. it's such a huge topic. And so I think I recently read, and I'm sure you probably are more familiar than I am, um, that the NCAA did a a recent survey and like maybe more than half of student athletes had experienced anxiety in the past month. And so I think it is um, for all of our young leaders, but also, you know, in particular for some specific reasons, our student athletes, it's just something that's so important to focus on. And it's just been interesting, I think, um, 
you know, how you, know, you kind of talked about perfectionism, but just also this idea of as athletes where we're mentally tough and we can take on any challenge. And so I think it is sometimes a lot harder to ask for help. Um, so I think it's really important the work that you're doing to get to take away that stigma and, and to help people understand, you know, when they do need to push through and try harder and then when they really do need help. Right. And we've spent a lot of time in education. So when our freshman student athletes come to campus, we have a class specifically for student athletes that talks about a transition into college athletics. So we talk about some of those things so that they know where the resources are and they have an understanding that if from us who are teaching this course, the sport administrators, the people that are their coaches, bosses are telling them, you need to ask for the help and it's okay to ask for the help. That's why it's here. That's why we utilize all these resources to make sure they're available to you because it is important. But then we also spend time with our coaches and educate our coaches. They're, it's a mandatory training. It's called mental health first aid so that our coaches can start to see any of the warning signs or the red flags that alert them to having some side but side conversations and you know private conversations with some of their athletes that might be exhibiting some of the signs um, of needing some assistance with their mental wellness. Um, but I think that's important. And, and as long as then the athletes are also aware, they can keep an eye on each other. Right. You know, that they feel comfortable coming to their coach or to the sport administrator to say, hey, look, I've noticed that my teammate is spending all of her time in her room. She's, she's not going to class. She's only coming to practice. So coach doesn't see anything different. Um, that they feel comfortable coming to tell us those things. And, and I'm, I hope that as we continue this education, that that trend continues, that they, it's okay to not be okay and that it is okay to ask for help. Right. Absolutely. It's really a really important part of, of working in athletics right now. The other part of athletics right now, and I think almost any industry is like, it is a hard time to lead right now because there's so much uncertainty. Um, I think we're all having to be incredibly flexible. There's a lot of unknowns. I know a lot of athletes are watching closely to see, you know, are fall sports going to start? Um, how are we going to, how will schools handle it? If, you know, football is such a revenue generating sport for many colleges, you know, doesn't go in the fall. How, how have you been leading through this really hard time? And are there any skills that you learned as an athlete that you've been leaning on particularly hard as you have to lead through all the uncertainty? Yeah, the, that's a great question. And probably the best analogy I can give is that as an athlete, you practice a number of different offenses a number of different defenses. Um, you have a number of different strategic tactics that you practice day in and day out. You don't always use every offense and every defense in every match or in every game, but you have them in your toolbox or your tool belt, so to speak, as a skill set that if you needed it, you could use it. It's kind of what we're doing now. We're in the middle of a game. We're already playing this specific offense and somebody threw a defense at us that we have never seen before. Right. So all we can do is, all right, here's our inventory of all these things we know how to do, which one will be effective right now. Let's start that. But let's go back and review this and practice this week, just in case we need to use one of these others. Right. Because, Quite frankly, it's probably going to change again. And in order for us to be successful, we have to have 
an inventory, so to speak, of choices, an inventory of um, skills, an inventory of potential solutions that we can call on at any point in time to make the next step that will keep us ahead of the game and hopefully keep us in sights of still playing in the fall. Yeah, no, it's the I best analogy that. I have. <laughs> no, I think that's a really powerful analogy. And I'd love to just wind up with a couple of different questions. One, so what athletic activities do you participate in now? Do you, did you ever end up coaching your daughter in any athletics? And then what do you what do you do from an athletic perspective now? Well, I I specifically stayed away from coaching my daughter, um, mostly because I I didn't want to. I didn't want to be that mom and I didn't want the pressure on her um, that, okay, the reason you're playing is because mom's the coach. I, I didn't, I didn't want any of that. So um, I specifically had to sit on my hands in the stands while she played volleyball. Okay. So um, she did play volleyball. <laughs> she did play volleyball for a while. She played into high school. Um, but then she found a love for art and music my husband and I have no creative background. We have no idea where this child got all those skills, but so she found that and found a love there and pursued that. Um, as for me, I am very proud of the fact that I am the oldest fossil that still plays volleyball in the alumni match every year at Miami. That's fantastic. Um, I still play, um, but on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I, right now I spend more time with my horse and competing um, in, extreme mountain trail challenges with my horse wow. so the silver lining to all this covid is you can social distance on a horse because you're not going to get closer than six feet to another person if you're on a horse right that's, so that's, that's been kind of fun and how did you get into that I, I had horses growing up and then when i went away to college got away from it um and then you know once you're an adult and you have a little bit of disposable income then that's where you splurge that's fantastic. I just love it when we can all evolve. You know, I was a soccer player in college, but ended now I play competitive tennis, but whatever it is, whatever, I think all once an athlete, always an athlete, it just kind of evolves as you, as you grow up. We have a um, quick kind of rapid fire portion of our podcast, favorite female athlete. Um, Flo Hyman. Uh, favorite Olympic sport. Volleyball or figure skating. Last show you binge watched. Ozark. Favorite hobby? Horse riding. And then last one, last book you read? I am currently reading All the Light We Cannot See. All right, so to wrap things up at Her Next Play, we're all about giving visibility to women leaders. So I want to just wrap up with a question around who is a woman leader in any industry who is inspiring you right now? Inspiring me right now? Um... You know, I love Sandy Barber at Penn State. Um, she's the athletic director. Um, before her was Julie Herman at Rutgers. They were the first two women athletic directors in the Big Ten. Um, they absolutely proved they could do the job and do it well. Um, Julie moved on to some other um, professional pursuits, but Sandy Barber's still there at Penn State. And I love the fact that Penn State is thriving, that she's kind of proving the point that women can do it at the highest level. That's a really exciting thing. And Sandy is so down to earth and accessible, which makes her even more of a role model um, that I love, love watching her and connecting with her. I've heard so many fantastic things about her. So yeah. great. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for being on the Power Chat podcast. Thanks for the invitation. This was fun. And that's a wrap. 
Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat Podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our booster club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.